0: Alright, right, preschool parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the culture-building strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. So I want to ask you, preschool parents, to clear your mind of the daily clutter as best you can, and to behold, in your mind's eye, the amazingness of your child. Imagine yourself with your preschooler doing something you love to do together— Reading, walking, hugging, talking, whatever. Now imagine looking into your child's eyes. What is special about this child? What sort of extraordinary spiritual gifts does this child have? Do they love to spontaneously burst into laughter? Ask great questions? Dance like a maniac? Think about a time when your child brought particular joy or delight into your life when you felt ecstatic that you are a parent and that this child is a part of your life. I think back to the moment when my oldest daughter was born. After she emerged into the world, I felt this rush of ecstasy, part astonishment, part delight, part gratitude. I felt instantly bonded to this creature in a way that I'd never felt before. The universe had introduced me to unconditional love in a whole new way. Take a moment and recall moments like this with your child. Has your child moved you deeply with their wise words or kind actions? Has your child helped you to grow or enabled you to see the world in fresh ways? I'll pause a moment for you to consider. All right, I hope that was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. Our children's spiritual capacities, including wisdom, wonder, and connection, are among the very most important assets they have. I want to talk with you today about how you can nurture those capacities, and why you should pay at least as much attention to them as to any other part of your child's development—physical, intellectual, social, or emotional. Let's get started by clarifying what I mean by spiritual. It's not an easy concept to define. Rather than to find it outright, let me give you three examples of moments that I consider to be spiritual. You've had a hard day at work and you arrive home tired and cranky. Your preschooler says to you, "It's okay, Mommy, or Daddy. You can rest a minute. I love you. The love and care they express is deeply nourishing. That's a spiritual moment. Or, you're out for a walk in the woods. The morning light is streaming through the trees. You sit down on a log and you feel embraced by the natural world around you, wrapped in a blanket of beauty. You feel a part of it. That's a spiritual moment. One more. You're facing a quandary at work. You've been going in circles trying to figure out what to do. Then you find a quiet moment and you meditate or pray, asking for guidance. All of a sudden, it's clear what you should do, and that clarity feels deeply rooted in your best self. That's a spiritual moment. Spiritual moments are different from ordinary moments in that we feel an unusual clarity of insight or depth of connection. As the psychologist Tobin Hart writes, spiritual moments are direct, personal, and often have the effect, if only for a moment, of waking us up and expanding our understanding of who we are and what our place is in the universe. Perhaps your spirituality is an important part of your life, or perhaps you don't use this term at all. You may be deeply religious or not religious at all. Or maybe you consider yourself spiritual, but not religious. Regardless, I'm almost sure you have moments like the ones I've just described, Moments when you feel a deeper-than-usual connection to other people, or to nature, or you suddenly gain an insight that you recognize comes from your best self stepping into the forefront of your consciousness. When we grow spiritually, we are growing in our capacity to connect, to feel awe, and to discern the right thing to do. And, preschool parents, when you think about what's going to matter in your child's life 10, 20, or 40 years from now, These capacities are going to have a great deal to do with your child's well-being and their ability to make a positive mark on the world. Lisa Miller, a professor of psychology and education at Columbia University, has spent her career studying children and spirituality. Over the past 20 years, she and other researchers around the world have amassed a large body of evidence that spirituality, defined as having a dynamic sense of connection with a higher power or sacred presence, is good, really good, for children and people of all ages. For example, Miller and her colleagues have found that children who have developed a personal relationship with God, expressed in comments such as, I turn to God for guidance in times of difficulty, or When I have a decision to make, I ask God what I should do. These children are far less likely to become addicted to alcohol and drugs than children who have no such relationship critically. The level of protection against addiction did not depend so much on the level of adherence to the family's religious tradition, but, as Miller writes, on the degree to which the adolescent had independently, working with their own faith, developed a personal transcendent relationship. Other research shows that spirituality helps teens and young adults discover meaning, purpose, and optimism in life, And that adults with a strong sense of personal spirituality are healthier, less prone to depression, more resilient, and have stronger social connections. These are scientific findings, not philosophical statements. The good news for you, preschool parents, is that your child already has pretty amazing natural spiritual capacity. They already feel ecstatic delight from jumping in puddles or staring at slugs. They are often highly receptive to a loving touch, and sometimes capable of showing deep compassion. They already have a nascent sense of wisdom that can help them cut to the heart of a matter, sometimes more clearly than we adults can. They may not have words for it, but they already likely perceive the world through a spiritual lens. Children don't need to be taught how to be spiritual in the same way they need to be taught how to do math. However... If we hope their natural spirituality will flower into a wellspring of strength for them as adults, we should do our best to nudge, guide, and support them along the way. Today we're going to talk about two powerful ways to go about doing this, the two components of the Raise Ready Kids strategy I call spiritual mentoring. Let's start with the first component, cultivate your child's sense of wonder, before we move on to the second, mesh your child in spiritual community. As I look back on my own life, I don't think I've ever felt so much awe as I did when I was 12 years old. National Geographic had just published a book called The Amazing Universe. I was thrilled to discover my parents' copy and to begin to learn about galaxies, neutron stars, and black holes. Then I got myself a map and started to identify stars and constellations as I lay in my front yard in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I remember staring up into the sky on cold winter evenings and feeling waves of thrill and mystery wash over me. Looking up at the constellations, I peered into a universe that was unfathomably vast and filled with exotic stars and planets. I remember lying out on the grass, feeling insignificant on a cosmic scale, and yet also recognizing that my feelings and thoughts were tremendously important. These sorts of transcendent moments can and often do occur much earlier in life. Tobin Hart, the psychologist I mentioned earlier, has interviewed dozens of adults to learn about their childhood spiritual experiences. His description of a woman named Tina recalling her three-year-old self is typical of what he heard in his interviews. It was early one morning, and I was sitting outside our house on a cinder block wall, Tina recalled. I was facing and gazing at a chain link fence that had honeysuckle all grown into it. The morning light was so soft and the dew was sparkling on everything. It was almost like sensory overload. I was totally absorbed by the smells, the way the light was. And then the world just seemed to stop and I was completely transfixed. I had a sense of perfection. And I don't know how I grasped this at three years old, but I clearly did. It was a distinct sense that everything is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. Wonder can come in the form of everyday experiences as well as grand epiphanies. If we're paying attention, and children usually are, wonder arises when we gaze at a sunset, notice a new kind of insect, or witness an unfamiliar phenomena, like steam coming off the road in the morning. Words typically fail to describe the depth and meaning of these experiences, often triggered by experiences with nature. These experiences evoke feelings of connection as well as unity and ecstasy. We may suddenly perceive that the walls between us and the rest of the world have come tumbling down. We don't seem so separate anymore. As Hart writes, Wonder increases a sense of connection that leads to increased responsibility to spirit, society, and self. Dana, another one of Hart's interviewees, said that her childhood and adult moments of wonder help her to see the world more clearly. These moments seem to stop my going in circles with questions and always trying to figure everything out, she told Hart. These moments clear everything out. It's like coming home. It leads me to a calmness, like a still pond that feels more real than all this other stuff. For my five-year-old self, Moments of wonder and heightened clarity came when I sat alone in a special place in my house, on top of a heater vent in our dining room. I'd get up early and go to the vent, savor the warm air and contemplate my place in this extraordinary world, which was opening itself up to me every day as my powers of observation grew. Moments of wonder most often arrive when we're free from immediate obligations, with time on our hands, and when we let our mind drift. So when it comes to fostering your child's capacity for wonder, the most important thing to do is to give your child space and time to hang out. Don't fill their schedule too much. Don't let electronic devices take over their lives. Do your best to arrange family life so that they have time in nature and at home to let their mind wander and discover the wonder around them. In addition, you might want to encourage your child to pay attention closely to what they're experiencing at various moments. For example, you could give a piece of fruit to your child and tell them to take as long as they'd like to eat it. Ask them what they notice about the fruit. Encourage them to go slowly and to savor the flavor and texture. What do they notice about the experience? This kind of mindfulness helps build people's capacity for wonder. Okay, let's move to the second component of spiritual mentoring, and mesh your child in spiritual community. Thus far, we've mostly been talking about personal experiences. But if we want to fully support our child to develop their spiritual capacities, their ability to experience awe, tap into deep currents of wisdom, and find transcendent connection, then we might want to enmesh them in communities where spiritual values like these are at the center of a collective experience. Of course, our children's first spiritual community is their family. In our best moments, when we are able to step back from the daily frustrations and to-do lists, we can recognize that our home can be a spiritual community. When we dance or sing together, when we share our children's delight at a new discovery or accomplishment, when we rub their shoulders with tender care, or when we listen closely to our child even when we're busy, we're sharing spiritual space with our children. We can build on this by working together with our children to bring more light and connection into the world. We can ask our children to think about who in their day could use a little extra kindness and explore ways to give it, such as paying a visit to someone who might be feeling lonely, baking cookies for someone who is sad, or even just saying hi or thank you to someone who often gets overlooked. Yes, children can be selfish, but they also have a remarkable capacity to recognize suffering and injustice to speak a kind word, to empathize, and to offer expressions of care and compassion. Of course, we can also look toward a religious community. Some of you already do that, and you don't need me to tell you about the value that it can bring to your child and to your family. Let me speak for a moment to those of you who don't currently participate in a religious community and share a few thoughts about why you might want to explore the idea. First. Let's get clear on what we mean by religious in relation to spiritual. As Hart writes, "...religion is a systematized approach to spiritual growth formed around doctrines and standards of behavior. Religions were generally inspired by spiritual insight and developed in order to spread that insight through various teachings, rituals, and rules of conduct." To be religious implies some adherence to these standards and practices. Some of us have experienced religion as a kind of oasis, a community that anchors our lives and serves as the wellspring of our spirituality. Others have experienced religion as a source of oppression, especially when religious leaders enforce beliefs or standards of conduct in authoritarian ways, sometimes with a dose of hypocrisy thrown in. Following the lives of nearly 2,000 adult twins— the psychiatrist Kenneth Kendler and his colleagues have shown that spirituality and religious adherence are distinct concepts. Remember Lisa Miller's definition of spirituality, a sense of relationship to a higher power that is loving and guiding. Some people who have this kind of strong sense are not engaged in religious practices. And some people who regularly attend religious services or or who participate in religious rituals Do not report experiencing a strong personal relationship to a higher power that is loving and guiding. The scholar James Davidson Hunter has a formulation that can help us understand the potential benefit of participating in a healthy, vibrant religious community. We are more likely to grow spiritually when we bind together to study and practice what he calls particular ideas, commitments, and behaviors. When we enmesh ourselves in the cultural thickness of a specific religious tradition, we tap into sources of wisdom and ways of perfecting ourselves that have been developed and refined with the help of many people over long periods of time. The texts, music, holidays, rituals, architecture, ideals, and commitments of specific traditions can add up to more than the sum of their parts a powerful force for personal and communal spiritual growth. Lisa Miller, the psychologist who studies spirituality in children, grew up as part of a synagogue in Des Moines, Iowa, together with her siblings, parents, and grandparents. I can still remember my six-year-old self, so excited to go to temple with my grandparents on Friday nights, she has written. I remember one particular moment as a six-year-old with photographic clarity, It was Shabbat services, and I was sitting in a pew, flanked by all four of my grandparents. At one point, I glanced up and saw them, all four, leaning over me and smiling at me. As the cantor sang with deep emotion, I was so deeply moved with the soulful connection through body and spirit, I cried. So, preschool parents, I've given you some reasons to think about why you might want to explore participating in a religious community that feels right to you, if you don't already. Of course, this is a deeply personal decision. The good news is that spiritual community can be found in a variety of places, in addition to houses of worship. As Miller says, an affirming collection of people, shared values, and shared experiences can spring up spontaneously around a very loving family down the block. Or your child may find spiritual community in a youth group, summer camp, or a community service program. As your child grows up, sports can offer a compelling avenue for mind-body-spirit experiences. The practice, the teamwork, the heart that budding athletes often demonstrate can trigger the transcendent experience of being part of something larger. Indeed, one of my daughters had this experience as a member of her high school cross-country team. I'll never forget the time she called me after a meet on a gorgeous California fall day. I could hear the joy in her voice, her delight at having achieved her own personal best time, propelled by the love and support of her teammates. My other daughter has reported similar experiences singing with her chorus. In both cases, extraordinary adult leaders were part of the equation, leaders who understood that they weren't just teaching young people how to run or sing. Rather, they were helping young people grow through the process of pursuing excellence, fostering interdependent relationships, and discovering beauty. Preschool parents, as you evolve your role in your child's life in the coming years, pay attention to your potential as a spiritual mentor. Remember that your child already has impressive spiritual gifts. You just need to nudge, guide, and support them along the way by cultivating their sense of wonder and by enmeshing them in spiritual community of some sort. With your support, your child will grow in their capacity to connect, feel awe, and discern the right thing to do. What a gift to give your child.